Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pages Unknown, the podcast dedicated to all things books and pop culture. My name is Zachariah, and I will be joined, as always, by my fabulous co-host, Michaela. Say hi, Michaela. Hi, Michaela. This is your fair and evergreen warning that there will be spoilers throughout this episode. This will be true for every episode moving forward. We made sure to read the book in its entirety, and now we want to talk about it. As a reminder, new episodes are out every Wednesday, and if you, our wonderful listeners, would like to read along with us, we're posting all the books we're reading on the Literal Book Club app. You can join Literal with the invite link, literal.club slash invite slash I-F-D-E-P-2-G. One more time, that's literal.club slash invite slash I-F-D-E-P-2-G. If you're already a member of the Literal app, you can find the book club under Pages Unknown Podcast. Read along. You can also find us on Goodreads and TikTok under Pages Unknown. Enjoy the episode. On today's episode, we're doing things a little differently than our normal format. We usually review a few books and give our thoughts. This time, however, we thought it was time to talk about our favorite and nostalgic books from childhood or our younger days. We each picked a few series and we thought it would be fun to rapid fire pitch them to you and to each other. These series are from a few years ago and might not be as popular as other titles on TikTok or social media. Lastly, we also want to share a few books that we have on our to be read shelf and pitch those to all of y'all. We hope you enjoy. Let's get into this. It's that time of year. It's fall. People are going back to school. I'm in my feelings about not being a young person, going to first period and getting to read during silent sustained reading. I want to talk about some of those book series that I loved and I want us to pitch them to each other and to our fabulous listeners. I want to start with you. We're a little bit different in age, so I think that has informed a couple of the series that are listed here. Pitch us on your first book. Okay, so I'm starting strong with a book I've mentioned before on the podcast. I said that I was going to talk about this book and here I am. We're talking about Inkheart. To give you just the quick facts here, (laughs) Inkheart is written by Cornelia Funk. It was published in 2003, and it technically falls under the genres uh, children's literature and fantasy. Special mention here, this book did win the Book Sense Book of the Year Award in 2004, and I think it's mainly marketed towards kids who are like 11 years old and up. And I will just say, it's a trilogy. So now, my pitch. This book... The weirdest elevator ride you've ever been on. (laughs) This book is both a love letter to the written word and a cautionary tale about the power of our spoken words. We follow Meggie and her father, Mo, on a wild ride trying to keep the evil Capricorn, which is a rude representation of my astrological sign, but I'll forgive it just for you, Cornelia. We're trying to prevent him from getting his hands on a very special book. You see, Mo is what is called a silver tongue. He has the ability to read characters out of or into books just with the power of his voice. Many years ago, Mo read aloud to Meggie and accidentally brought characters like Capricorn out of the book called Inkheart, trading them for Meggie's mother who vanished into the pages. Now, with some unlikely allies, they're trying to get Meggie's mom out and Capricorn and his cronies back in. Like I said, I spoke about this book in episode zero, but this book completely changed the way I thought about books. It hooked me. My parents read to me every single night growing up, and books were heavily emphasized in my house, so I had an innate love of reading, but it was entirely because of Maggie and her father Mo that I read as often and as voraciously as I did. It's so rare that you come across a book that makes you feel that level of desperation to know what's coming next really makes you feel like the characters are your friends and you're right down in it with them. If I'm being honest, this is my dream fancy book. 
if someone was like, Michaela, what first edition leather bound signed copy of a book would you pick? If you could pick any book you've ever read, it would be this one. I would love a signed copy of Inkart. They're very expensive, though. It's like $500. Yeah. Capitalism really popped off this yeah, time. Seriously, I would love a leather, leather bound copy. And actually, just a special mention to the fact in the book, Maggie sleeps with books under her pillow so they can whisper their stories to her as she's sleeping. I tried to do that so many times when I was growing up, and it is so uncomfortable. <laughs> so that's Inkart, one of the best books, in my opinion, ever written. Thank you, Michaela. I have read this book, but I'll tell you, I've only read the first two. So maybe now I need to do a little bit of a revisiting. I guess that's the point of this. Isn't it is. It? My first pitch. This is one of the books I read when I was much younger, but also a book series that I reread at the very beginning of the pandemic to get me back into reading in general. I hadn't been reading very much in my adult life. The series, The Secrets of the Immortal Nicholas Flamel, written by Michael Scott. Twins save the world multiple times. Every single god exists. Every single one of them. They live in their own pocket dimensions. They live in the world just as people. Some of them are asleep. Some of them just live in other dimensions, but they all exist. These two twins have been prophesied to save the world. What you realize is that every single one of these gods lived with each other on the place we came to know as Atlantis. It's a rather long series, not as long as many others, but for a middle grade series. It's rather long. It moves quick. You are moving every single chapter. You're doing something fun. I'm not going to spoil any of the ending, but it goes in a direction that you are not going to, at first, you're not going to like it. And then the fifth book happens and you're going to be all in. You're going to be all in on this book. Nicholas Flamel is a real character in, in modern history, in real life. And in this book series is essentially the main character until the third book. He's still there, obviously, like he's a main character, but you can get all of them as one book on Kindle if you'd like. You can get all six books as one thing. And it uh, it's very, very nice that they have packaged it like that. This book is available in that format. And that's how I read it on the treadmill in early. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fantastic pitch. I love when they wrap up book series like that, when they succinctly put them like not necessarily a box set, though those are great too. But when you can get an e-copy of every single book all at once, it's so easy. Yes. This author has written side books that are related to some of the characters inside of this series. I think his writing style is actually really great. I would love to read some other books written by him. I hope that he didn't disappear from the literary world. <laughs> that was a wonderful pitch. Okay, so I'm going to change up the order of the way I'm doing that my pitches a little bit, and I'm going to get all the Cornelia funk out of the way at the beginning of this. <laughs> my second book is also <laughs> written by Cornelia funk. This was published before Inkart, so this book came out in about 1997. It's called Dragon Rider. It's again, children's literature fantasy, middle grade fiction, I guess is what you would call it. Now, I did read this book before I read Inkart. So I guess this was my introduction to Cornelia Funk. This book, if Inkhart gave me my lifelong love of reading, or at least emphasized my lifelong love of reading, this book kickstarted mm. my lifelong love of dragons. Mm. So we follow a young silver dragon called Fire Drake as he tries to find the rim of heaven to save his fellow dragons from a man-induced flood that's set to destroy their home. Of course, along the way, they mm. gather up a small band of heroes, while the villain named Nettlebrand tries to stop them. And Nettlebrand's goal is pretty much to eradicate dragons entirely. Real, like, giving these pitches, I now realize that I honestly owe Cornelia Funk so much for introducing mm. me to the world of beautifully written fantasy books 
with lovable characters mm-hmm. and a plot that has me practically foaming out the mouth for more to read. And I have to <laughs> say that this book is the reason that I love and actually got into the next book I'm going to pitch. But before I do that, Zechariah, hit me with your second book. I'm going to hit you with that second book in just a second. As you read that pitch, I'm realizing that I've read this book and that I absolutely loved this. I'm just now realizing, oh my God, I didn't know Dragon Rider was written by a book. I did not know this. I remember reading this book and I'm pretty sure I used it for my Book It certificate, which I don't know if y'all did where you're from, but this is one of the ones that got me that free pizza from Oh, wow. Shout out Cornelia Funk. (laughs) Thanks. What a bro. Okay. My second one, and this is one that I think many people probably have read, actually. Like a lot of folks that are listening to this, this is probably one of their formative series. This is a series of unfortunate events. The pitch I have written here, do you want to learn about grammar while also reading about the murder of three orphans' entire family? (laughs) Have I got a book for you? (laughs) These three orphans try desperately to escape their caretaker. His name is Count Olaf, who wants to steal their fortune. These books are a little bit dark, and the children are forced to make some morally gray decisions in order to survive. That's why I liked this book. It strayed away from, we're morally superior, we're going to choose to do everything that's upright and proper. Sometimes you can't win life like that. And these three young children walk us through that. This was the first time that I think I had sat back and contemplated whether or not doing something morally gray can be justified. Existential crisis at 14. We love that. Super fun to have (laughs) when this happened. (laughs) As a younger person, this was just very cool and edgy. As an adult, these books feel much more layered and in some ways important. This is one of the series I will be giving to my niece and nephew when they get older. They have they have these beautiful hard cover with those great illustrations on the covers. They're oh. full color. It's fantastic. Ugh, I know. It's it's wonderful. This is a shorter pitch because I think many people have read this book, but if you haven't given every one of the books its own time in your life. If you haven't read it, give it its due. Consider looking at this series. I definitely think that Series of Unfortunate Events is a great one to revisit. It's one of those children's books series that's not just for kids. Anybody at any age can get a lot out of it. And if you Mm -hmm. are a parent of a young child and you like to read to them, this is a series that will actually capture your attention too. It's not like reading the Berenstein mm-hmm. Bears for the 40th time. No hate. I loved the Berenstein <laughs> Bears growing up. But I'm sure as an adult, reading those same books over and over gets a bit repetitive. These are fun for everybody. My dad read these books to us as you're talking about. My mom read a couple of books to us as well. But at some point, they both said, hey, there's like a lot of books in this series. Like you guys have to get, to get the We bought you the book. Go read it. We don't have to do this. Michaela. Hit me with your next book. Okay, so I hinted at it. I said Dragon Rider is the reason I read this book. It's one of the reasons. There's a couple others, one of them being my brother. But the next book I've chosen is Aragon by Christopher Paolini. Originally published in 2002, Mm -hmm. this book, I honestly don't even know where to begin with this pitch. So like I said, my brother kind of inspired me to read these books. He read these books long before I did and absolutely loved them. And I think, you know, part of it was me copying him. I was always following in his footsteps, trying Mm to emulate what he was doing. And I really, really wish I could say that I remember the very first time I read them all the way through. It is a four book series, but I reread them so many times that it's hard to recall the very (laughs) first time. I read through these books, God, at least 
eight times now. I absolutely adore this series. It's got everything. It has dragons, it has elves, it has approachable high fantasy, which I think should be its own fantasy offshoot genre. It's got hilarious jokes and talking (laughs) dragons. They are their own characters. It's fantastic. This book follows a farm boy named Aragon after he finds a mysterious blue stone while hunting in what is called the spine. It's basically a wide expanse of forest near where he lives. So quick little cutoff here. Uh, My backyard growing up was one big hill, and it's very mountainous where I lived with my parents. So there's a ton of rocks everywhere. I searched high and low for an egg-shaped rock. (laughs) And he thinks he could sell it for some money. His family is poor. He's, his hunting is not very good. <laughs> so he's thinking, all right, cool, I can sell this. Actually, in the way that he's growing up, there's a lot of poor people. Uh, there used to be dragon riders to keep mm-hmm. the peace and maintain balance. But one of them, Galbatorix, went insane when his dragon died and he wiped out all the riders and he took control of the land where Aragon is living. So there's a lot of poor people. Very mm-hmm. corrupt leadership here. The rock hatches. He fails in selling it and the rock hatches and we meet Saphira, Aragon's dragon. The goal is obviously to dethrone Galbatorix and return the dragon riders to their once proud positions of keeping the peace and maintaining the balance. It's a prime example of what you want a fantasy book about dragons to be. There's big wins, there's hard losses, and there's so many wonderful characters, it's so hard to pick a favorite. Do not mention the movie to me. I don't want to see any comments about the movie. It doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned. We're not going to talk about that. I loved that series a lot. Also, wasn't Christopher Paolini a teenager when this was published? Yeah. When he wrote this book? It came out when he was like 16 or 17. Actually, Christopher Paolini recently published a new book, which is called To Sleep in a Sea of Stars. And it is so thick. It took me like three months to read this book. And I read it and I finished it all because of my dedication to this man. But it is no Aragon. Well, my next one, I know you're mentioning approachable high fantasy. When I read the Aborson series, which is the next one, it's by Garth Nix. This at first did not feel approachable. The world feels understandable to me. The magic system and the way that things fit together, the actual story confused me. And I think I tried to read this when I was too young. This came out in 1995. So it's been out for a while. I loved it upon my second reading of it when I was in junior high. So when I was in junior high, what year was that? 2003 or something? I don't know if that's the right, maybe that's right. How old am I? (laughs) No one needs (laughs) to know. know. The abortion series, if you're looking for a series, a strong female protagonist that has a lot of lore and a lot of history to learn, you might want to check it out. The book takes place in a world that's essentially a reimagining of modern day Australia. The world is divided into two areas, the old kingdom to the north and the newer technologically advanced area to the south. Main character, she's essentially the daughter of a person whose job it is to put souls to rest. He's kind of the grim reaper, but not really. And it's almost as if this bloodline itself is the thing that provides them with this power. This world feels a lot harder, more formal, and a lot more firm in its world building and its magic system than maybe was approachable to me as an elementary or even junior high student at first. I think it's intended for early high school students. So, you know, seventh, eighth and ninth graders, I think this was marketed towards them. I believe that there is now 
a fifth book in this series. So every like six years, a new book has came out. I think lastly, I'll add here that if you're looking to read this book, I think there's a movie or a TV series. It's been rumored for a number of years now that they're going to make it into a TV series. With Amazon picking up as many things as they have, I would not be surprised if this is one of the next series that might get a little bit of attention. I know this pitch wasn't as punchy as the other ones we've done so far in this episode. I just think this is a good series to sink your teeth into if you love lore of something. If you want to learn about stuff. I really like the sound of that. That gives me like Neil Gaiman vibes. It's a lot of stuff happening at once, which is good. But like the magic system uses bells, which I think is fun. That's so cool. There's a couple of new books that have came out that use bone shards as like a magic system. So thinking back and being like, well, of course, people have used flutes as magic before. It's fun. That does sound fun. I I like that you included that one. The last three books that I have recommended are admittedly very popular quite well-known books, I would say. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be honest with our lovely listeners and include a choice that really does not put me in a great light. (laughs) I was an absolute dork when I was growing up. Just when you were growing up? (laughs) (laughs) The shade. I'm sitting in the shade. I was a big dork. When I got my first job, I was a page at my local library. And part of being a page is reading the shelves, which means putting books in order, whether it's alphabetical or by the Dewey Decimal System. It's a very tedious process, particularly when you're in a library that's, you know, thousands of books. And the children's books are particularly annoying because some of them are very thin. Some of them are very big. It's very irritating. Mm -hmm. When I was supposed to be doing that, I was actually reading this next series, which is called the Royal (laughs) Diaries series, which is done by Scholastic. I think there's about 20 of them. They're uh-huh. essentially historical fiction told from the perspective of various princesses throughout history. And it's meant to be like you're reading their personal diary. Wow. <laughs> Some of them are really sad <laughs> because obviously it leads you to look up what happened to the princess and most of them uh, died pretty gruesome deaths. So, you know, we're reading about Anastasia and she's like, these people are coming into the country and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> Dude. But I I ate them up. I read them all. And funnily enough, I found out later that my current partner's oldest sister also loved those books and they have some copies of them in their house. I saw them again and it was like a total brain blast. I don't know that this is really a pitch so much as this is a confession. (laughs) I feel like I need to own up to it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you're ever in the market for some very strange historical fiction books, like you're reading various princesses' diaries, I've got a book series for that. (laughs) (laughs) this is kind of similar to the like american girl dolls they made i think they made books that coincide with a lot of those give them backstories okay this is my last pitch for nostalgia books i do want us at some point to get more into this type of book i'm gonna be pitching a manga i was obsessed with anime and manga growing up so i was reading lord of the rings and then on the weekends I'd be reading Shonen Jump, which was a big deal. And I still get it to this day, by the way. I still get this magazine. Aww. It's fantastic. Bleach was the series I was obsessed with. It's a high school student that becomes a protector of humanity by way of being given supernatural powers by a member of an elite squad that's akin to a bunch of grim reapers. It was extremely popular when I was younger. The author is Tight Kubo, and they made an anime series and I think four movies about this. So this might be very, very popular. 
popular with people who are listening, they might know what I'm talking about already. It's super, super fun. The very first volume of Bleach is one of the books that I have sitting on my bookshelf with everything else in my front room. I really, really loved this. And what made it more special to me is that my parents know that I was a giant weeb. I was really obsessed with like Japanese culture at the time. My parents gave it to me for Christmas. I opened one, then there was a box and there was the entire rest of the set that had been published up to that point. So my parents did themselves a disservice because they created a monster (laughs) uh, without realizing it. (laughs) Because from then on, it was just a lot of books and a lot of anime and a lot of weird things on their television screen that they did not want to listen to at uh, 10 a.m. on a Sunday. So... I was not the biggest anime manga person. I'm still not. I haven't read any of the big ones. The only one I have read and watched the TV show of is Fruits Basket. And that is great. What a weird way to start off. Yeah, I know. So I believe it was in, I want to say middle school. One of my friends was reading it and Mm -hmm. she gave it to me and we all ended up reading it and watching the TV show. And I actually, (laughs) talking about confessionals, I still have my one friend's copy of, uh, she had loaned me her copies of Fruits Basket for me to go through and reread again. I still have them. I need to give them back to her. She lives in DC though, so it's kind of tricky. <laughs> oh, so what I'm hearing is this is a pattern of behavior. Yeah. Because you took my book. I'm a thief. And didn't return that. <laughs> and now, okay, great. I'm glad we got the confession. It's on uh-huh. tape. I'll make sure to be put this on your birthday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I've got sticky fingers. <laughs> I keep people's books. But no, I wasn't the biggest manga fan. My partner actually has recently gotten into it because quite a few of his friends watch so mm. he watched demon slayer yep. he watched another one that came out on netflix i'm gonna get it wrong is it my hero academia it is my is hero academia it was i figured when you said netflix it's very popular my dad my grandmother and my niece have all watched this so it feels like this must be a show that really <laughs> has a wide appeal we did have some books in common that we did not make pitches about but we did have a couple in common we had spiderwick chronicles which you have talked about holly black also wrote the Cruel Prince series, you know, Smutty Fairies. Crazy. That is a crazy connection. Percy Jackson was another one. Now, you know, I haven't read all of these, but I did really enjoy. I am thinking about going back and looking at a couple. You uh, should. Reading a couple again, I should say. Harry Potter series was here. It is nostalgic. It's still, I don't want to have to go through the disclaimer again about J.K. Rowling. I'm trying to treat the books as like a standalone thing from her as much as I can. But even inside of those books, obviously there are some problematic things. It is, however, nostalgic. If I if it's fall time and you, I even hear like the first three notes of the theme from Harry Potter, I am 13 years old, really wishing that somebody thought I was special. Oh, Zachariah, you are special. I know. How sweet. Bless my heart. Mm-hmm. The last series we put on here was Artemis Fowl. The thing I love about this series is that it was described by the author, Ian Colfer, as die hard with fairies. <laughs> and I... <laughs> Talk about a pitch, though. I mean, really, like our pitches that we just gave were kind of light synopsis and some glowing uh, rose-colored rememberings. And he was like, nah, dude. This kid is very wealthy, is a criminal mastermind, and is going to kidnap a literal family. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Done and dusted. See you at the box office. Done and Well, actually, in one episode, we talked about how they hadn't, I thought that they had not released this they were going to make out of the Artemis Fowl series. No, they released it fully in 2020 on Disney+. Plus. They, they released this movie. It exists. 
and it looks pretty good, actually. I have not watched it yet, but I am planning in the coming weeks to watch. I will report back after I have watched it. I'll let you know whether or not I was fully let down. I am worried that they might have put two books worth of content into one movie. Mm. And you know, I don't love that. So, Well, I think those were amazing pitches from our nostalgic reads. So now we thought it would be fun to give you some books that are on our to be read pile and see if we can draw some connections between the genres we used to love and the genres we're drawn to now. Because I, for me at least, there's a very real connection. I have not changed. (laughs) I don't know that I've changed either, but if I'm just looking at the ones I just talked about and then these that I have in front of me, I think my tastes have stayed the same. I like fantasy book. I like silliness. I like the hijinks. But I like books that have people that are my age. Can't envision myself as a 12-year-old anymore. I'm an adult person and I want to be able to shoot flames out of my goddamn nose. You know what I mean? Like I want to be an adult. I want to be an adult with like full mutant powers. But anyway, why don't you give us your first to be read book because also this is one of the ones on mine by the way (laughs) okay perfect so the first book on my list is the blood gift duology by any davenport i believe the first book is called the blood trials these books are all about loyalty and rebellion and the importance of family as our main character ikenna goes through deadly trials in a racist and misogynistic society to find out who murdered her grandfather and exact justice on them. All while she has to hide a secret power that if discovered would guarantee her a one-way trip to the chopping block. Mm -hmm. I've seen this book on TikTok. I really want to read them. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I haven't gotten it yet. I have requested it through my library, but it's taking a long time, which is a good thing because it means that a lot of people are reading it and wanting to read it. So that is the first book on my TBR. I think it's funny that the first book on your TBR also has to do with blood because the one I'm going to talk about is The Gilded Ones. It's a young adult fantasy novel from Namina Forna. It's their first book. 16-year-old Deka lives in fear in anticipation of the blood ceremony that will determine whether she'll become a member of her village. On the day of the ceremony, her blood runs gold, which is the color of impurity, and she knows she will face a consequence worse than death. A mysterious woman. Listen, we love the trope of a mysterious woman just showing up (laughs) telling us we're the chosen one. She has a choice of staying in the village and submit to her fate, or leave to fight for the emperor and an army of girls just like her. They are called Alaki. They're near immortals with rare gifts, and they're the only one who can stop the empire's greatest threat. I read a little bit of a, a summary there, but I am so excited. I have been seeing this recommended to me literally every day for the last three months, and finally I added it to my to my pile of to-be-read books. That sounds great. I don't think I've heard of that book. Really? Are we not on the same side of book talk? I don't know. I have seen a book. I don't know if it's called Guild or something. It has a cage, like a golden cage on the cover. I think it's two different books. Yes. Is that not called Gilded? I have no idea. But that sounds great. Oh, I'm so freaking excited for it. Well, a, a couple of these have been recommendations off of TikTok. And I blame TikTok for how much of my bills are not going to get paid over the next couple of months <laughs> for the amount of books that I've purchased. I'm sure your partner blames BookTok more than you do. <laughs> well, that's the thing I joke about. It's like, oh, my partner working his butt off as a lawyer so we can have a bigger apartment. And then it flashes to me where I'm like, yes, a bigger apartment where I can put all of the books that I buy during work meetings. <laughs> 
So I actually, I'm going to stray away from TikTok here. I found this book through my job. I am a librarian, as we've said, and I get books in all the time that Mm -hmm. I'm cataloging for our collection. This is a book that came across my desk and I read the introduction to it and I immediately was like, this needs to go on my TBR. It's called Body Work. Mm -hmm. It's by Melissa Phoebos. And this book is all about how we think and write about intimate experiences. It's a sort of meeting between a memoir and educational writing told by someone who spent some of her life addicted to drugs and working in the sex industry and then going to night classes Mm. at Harvard and is now writing books and educating people about the- Wow power of intimacy. She gets into the nitty gritty of the emotional labor of writing intimate scenes and acting in intimate Mm -hmm. scenes. And she talks about the power we have over over our own narratives and how it's informed by our more intimate, I hate to use that word so many times, but it's the perfect Uh word to describe it, our intimate relations. She talks Mm -hmm. a lot about naval writing, which is something I don't know if you've heard of that before. It's like self-indulgent writing. It's self-reflective writing and it's a derogatory term that mostly men use when they're talking about (laughs) things written by women. (laughs) So that's what this book gets into. It sounds fantastic. The introduction alone, I was like writing notes immediately. (laughs) So I do Uh need to get my hands on this book. I finished cataloging it and it immediately got checked out. So now even I have to wait to get it from my own job. But I'm happy it got checked out. (laughs) I'm really happy that this is not marketed as a self-help book. Self-help is the type of book you will never see me reading. Like Atomic Habits is very popular with a lot of people. You you will never see me reading this book. This book where it's talking about basically how we can have a relationship with ourselves and the way that we communicate the things we've gone through. This is very helpful, I think, to many of us. Listen, we keep saying men will do anything but go to therapy. Men, I need you to go to therapy and maybe also think about this book while you're doing it. My second book is basically on the entire other end of the spectrum here. It is a Jewish retelling of Baba Yaga, and it's called Thistlefoot. The Yaga siblings, Bellatine and Isaac. Now listen, I have commented before on this podcast about how I feel about different names that are given to characters. And I know we don't want every character to be named Tyler and Ben and Sarah. I I get it. Occasionally, I come across a name that takes me out of it. Bellatine, I think, may verge on that. Okay. But if I can just maybe refer to her as Bella in my mind, I might be all right. Bellatine is a young woodworker and Isaac is a wafering street performer and a con artist. They've been estranged since childhood. They were separated by resentment. They both learn that they are to receive a mysterious inheritance. They're reunited to discover that the thing they've inherited is not land or money. It is a sentient house on chicken legs. (laughs) The dream. (laughs) Well, Baba Yaga, right? I don't know if you are familiar with it or not. Okay, I'm excited to read it. There are a couple of creators on Book Talk right now talking about Jewish fantasy. And we're currently in the middle of some of the Jewish high holidays. It felt only necessary for me to mention that I have added this because of the recommendation again on Book Talk. They know exactly what to to recommend to me that I'm going to buy. So Thistlefoot is going to be the one that I read outside of this podcast for the other things we're reading. We are reading Babel, just as like a note. That's on everybody's TBR right now. That's on everybody's. TBR. We're reading it and we're going to have a special guest on with us. Anyway, I don't want to get too much into that, but a little teaser for you. It's a little teaser. Okay, we each have one more book on our to be read list. Michaela, give us your last will and testament. No, give us your last (laughs) book. 
Okay. The last book I chose is About Time by David Rooney. Now, I don't read a lot of nonfiction. I tend to gear more towards fantasy novels, but this one really interested me. I saw this book when I was working at my local Barnes & Noble. I used to work there as a bookseller and I saw it on the shelf one day Mm -hmm. and we actually ended up selling out of it. So I never got a copy from there, but it looked fascinating. So this is a history of civilization told in 12 Mm -hmm. clocks. This book talks about how Mm -hmm. time has been thought about, how it's been politicized and even weaponized throughout history, all through the lens of looking at different 12 different types of clocks from 12 different civilizations that we've relied on to be accurate timepieces. And that just sounds fascinating. This one is a very short pitch because I don't think it needs a lot of expanding upon to convince you that you should be interested in a book all about time. I think is so cool. Every time we hear, this is unrelated, but every time anybody talks about clocks right now, I all I can think about is Taylor Swift Ugh. because of the new album. And every time I think about time now, all I can think about is the vinyl album that you and I are both waiting for to arrive in our... <laughs> In our inboxes, in our mail. But anyway, thank you so much. That does sound amazing. I keep thinking the name David Rooney is familiar to me, but I'm realizing I'm thinking about an entirely different author. The last book on my to-be-read list is Iron Widow by Jiran J. Zhao. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I apologize if I am not. They are big on TikTok right now, and it appears that they might be having their book made into a movie. So whenever that happens, especially a creator on TikTok, I get very excited and I want to read the book before the movie comes out. I'm always that kind of person. So just to give the last pitch, as it were, of this, the boys of Quaxia dream of pairing up with girls to pilot chrysalises. These are giant transforming robots that can battle the mecha aliens that lurk beyond the Great Wall. It doesn't matter that the girls often die from the mental strain. When 18-year-old Zeshin offers herself up as a concubine pilot, it's to assassinate the ace male pilot responsible for her sister's death. But she gets her vengeance in a way nobody expected. She kills him through the psychic link between pilots and emerges from the cockpit unscathed. She's labeled an Iron Widow, a much feared and much silenced kind of female pilot who can sacrifice men to power up chrysalises instead of have to work with them. I don't know about y'all as a gay queer child growing up. All I wanted was strong female characters who beat the shit out of the bad dudes and I love it. So I am so freaking excited for this. I cannot stress enough how excited I am for this. This book. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I for our listeners who obviously can't see us right now, I just was like fist pumping listening to Zachariah describe <laughs> that. That sounds amazing. I know. The problem with us providing this list of books that are on both of our TBRs, Michaela, I cannot keep buying books. I know. I, I know that we have like I know we make a podcast that is specifically about reviewing books. One of these days, my partner is going to kill me. <laughs> Hey, that's the strength of your local library, kids. Yes, get a library card, go to your local library. Thank you so much for joining us on this very chaotic, very silly, we understand it's a little silly for this episode. The next episode that's coming to your, coming to your ears next week. A week from the day this podcast comes out, we are doing an episode all about National Novel Writing Month, usually called NaNoWriMo. And it's where you write a book in the month of November. Michaela and I 
have both decided that we're going to take the challenge this year and we're going to use our TikTok page, Pages Unknown, and every day going to vlog while we're writing and doing the challenge. We're also, in the next episode, going to be talking about a couple of books that were written over the course of NaNoWriMo and that have been published. And lastly, we're going to let you guys in on our projects, what we're thinking about writing. We're so excited. So please join us next Wednesday and every Wednesday for new episodes of Pages Unknown. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Talk to you later.